Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be doing Twin Peaks episode four. Yes. And we have uh, joining us our special guest again, famous last Twin Peaks, uh, Aaron Marshall. Forgive my quarantine brain, if you will. <laughs> Corn brain. <laughs> Corn brain. <laughs> yep, so we're all remotely on Zoom again, so forgive the quality if it's not our usual standard. Um, <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. Um, how are you guys quarantining? Checking um, in with you guys? Doing well? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my five-year-old is acting like a wild animal pretty much all the time. And I mean that she is running around on all fours and acting like a zoo animal. And also her attitude is that of a wild animal. So I'm there. That's where I am. But I love her. She's so cute. <laughs> is well, at least there's that. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, it's cool. We're uh, just, you know, it's a lot to transition. I think everybody's kind of going through that right now, just transitioning to being home and the kids being home too and having to teach them and, and do your job. And it's, you know, everybody's having to do it. It's a lot. <laughs> you really broke up on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stick it out, though. <laughs> Uh, what about you, oh, Christian? No. Oh, <laughs> shit. We're going to have to start over? No. <laughs> <laughs> we can chop it up. If we uh, need to. Yeah, we can. Um, yeah. Um, well, I've been working from home about two weeks at this point, um, and only have been outside to walk Mabel down the street and to go to the grocery store, so I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Yeah. Because I haven't seen anyone besides my household. Yeah. Well, I live in a household with no people in it. So I've been especially. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. (laughs) Forgive me if I just start crying. (laughs) 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 We'll be okay. Well, great way to start my <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> Feels good. Yeah, you guys can all have catharsis with us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but anyway, um, we're still on the podcast <laughs> to the best of our abilities. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I guess, um, what comes first? First impressions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my first impression of this episode, um, hmm, I'm trying to think, it was like, it seemed like less mystery thriller intense and seemed a little bit more heavy on the soap side. Yes. Um, it seems like we're dealing with more emotions, like sad emotions, rather than the other ones we've been dealing with, <laughs> whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked it. I feel like now we're like really getting to like the d- deep end of the episode. Yeah. Of the I, series. Sorry. Yeah. I agree about the soapiness. I felt like this one, I mean, it had the soap in it, like a big chunk of it, but it also felt like very um, soap opera-ish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my first impression, um, again, I have no idea because it was like when I was a child that I first saw it. Um, it's a little bit, I mean, it does end with quite the climax, but I feel like it's a little bit like the last episode was such a big, like, whoa. And then this one's kind of like, okay, we're back to normal. But, um, yeah, I like this one a lot still anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Aaron? It's a good one. I like that we see more Audrey in this episode. We see, like, pretty 
going to school, Audrey in her little red pumps, and then later on there's like slicked back hair, funeral style goth Audrey, like, um, and a little more of her like secret side and playful side, um, and there's a lot of Hawk in this episode as well. Um, yeah. I have like some beef with this episode regarding Hawk, so um, yeah, I think my first impression of it though was, yay, more Audrey, because I love her. Yeah, and yeah. we get like full red shirt Audrey. Yes. <laughs> oh. Secret I, I think that um, I was always really stricken by the Bobby and Major Briggs scene where they're having that like conversation um, and Bobby is just so like not wanting to be there with his dad and his dad is just trying to get through this wall that his kid has built up. Um, yeah. I think people can relate with that and there's a bunch of symbolism in that scene as well. Yeah. Plus it's like um, their relationship goes, I mean it like developed so much over the course of the series that it's mm -hmm. really interesting to look back on where they started actually definitely uh, yeah well um let's get into some notes <laughs> let's do it yeah. all right okay so episode Four, entitled episode three. <laughs> Rest <laughs> Pain. It's called Rest in Pain. Um, it was written by Harley Payton and he um, would return to write several episodes in both the first two seasons and it was directed by Tina Rathbone. Yay woman director. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, she highlighted the episode's um, introduction of um, is it Jungian or like Carl Jung, yeah, Carl Young or is it Jung? Young, Young Young, I think it's Young <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she helped introduce the his um, analytical cool. psychology series. Yes, um, ma'am. <laughs> she also described Cooper as wholesome ground as the wholesome grounded anchor against the more strange elements of the show and the central component of the series um of the series building no, bildungs roman bildungs roman narrative it's like a yes. German thing it, right. um, it's like a rite of passage or coming of age um well it's a genre that focuses on psychological and moral growth of the protagonist from youth to adulthood so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to finish the sentence and realize exactly what you said. She also directed an episode in the second season, but she knew David Lynch because she cast him in her 1988 feature film, Zelly and Me. So we should oh. do that one day because that's the David Lynch yeah. raised an actor. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know he acted. Like that. Yeah, well, he's been in a couple of movies. Um, I mean, he's obviously, he's in Twin Peaks later on. We'll see. Right. Yeah. But he's in. A, there was a movie that just came out recently about a turtle with Harry Dean Stanton that I think he was in. But I don't think he directed. Goodness that. gracious! Lucky something. I don't know. Um, okay, this episode featured uh, uh, Cheryl Lee in her second role as Maddie Ferguson. She had been a stage actor living in Washington, and after filming the pilot, she just stayed in Washington, even though the filming had moved to Los Angeles because she figured she wouldn't have any further part in the series. But Lynch was so impressed with her that he told her he would find a way to get to, for her to continue appearing on the series. And he did. So um, uh, Rathbone, when she was directing, she was afraid that the episode was too static. And uh, with a bunch of scenes of people sitting around and talking with little action. So she asked Lynch if she could add some of the imagery from the dream sequence to keep those conversations more interesting. But I guess she did not get that because I don't. Was there any of that? There's no flashbacks to the dreams in it, was there? There, there was one where um, he's describing when the, the, when basically Laura Palmer is kissing him and then whispering a secret to him. Yes, when he's recounting the dream to oh. Harry and Lucy, and Lucy is like taking all these crazy notes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember because sometimes when I'm taking notes, I don't notice everything that's on the screen, so... I could I didn't I wasn't sure if there were actually <clears throat> clips of that. Um that's like the only yeah. time I think though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um 
previously she had only filmed on location. So filming in a studio set was like a new experience for her, but she enjoyed it. And she also enjoyed being able to work with an ensemble cast. Um, Miguel Ferrer, 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 I'm losing my mind. He was popular on set um, because he kept the cast and crew laughing at his acting choices. (laughs) 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 And here's something that I totally meant to go back and look because I swear we said that the last episode first aired on April 19th. Didn't we say that? Mm-hmm. Well, this one says that it was too. So, Wikipedia, get your facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a double feature. Yeah, I should have done a little more research, but this quarantine is getting to my brain. No. Okay. So, <laughs> it was viewed by 11.3 of US households, representing 18% of the available audience. Seems like a pretty good percent. Okay. And then for the Log Lady intro which I guess you might not have even been able to see, right, Christian? Or do you have no. it on DVD? Um, well, for this episode, she says, there is a sadness in the world, for we are ignorant of many beautiful things. And again, I just kind of summed it up as much as possible. Um, things like the truth. Sadness and our ignorance is very real. Tears are real. What is a tear? A drop from tiny ducks made for when the sadness appears. And then when the sadness comes, we ask the sadness that makes us, (laughs) we ask if this sadness that makes us cry will ever end. The answer, of course, is yes. One day the sadness will end. (laughs) I was like, you're speaking to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So relevant. Yeah. The more I've been watching the, like, really getting into this for the podcast, like the Twin Peaks and the Log Lady intros and stuff, the more I'm convinced that David Lynch is a magician. <laughs> he studies magic, <laughs> <laughs> knows all the esoteric stuff, and maybe Mark Frost, too. <laughs> I would not right. doubt for a second. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many things, like, that the Log Lady says, or, like, all these esoteric things that, you know, whenever I personally have studied any of that stuff it's like yeah I you're, you're definitely I mean that's how the bottle break <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well let's get on to the recap then okay all right let's okay. do it oh my goodness <sighs> is this gonna be listened to maybe (laughs) i've listened to plenty of episodes this week that have been done on zoom and they're not too bad sometimes the quality is like a little bit different but i don't think it's unbearable yeah i'm just meeting my mental state um i I edited the one for last week and it sounds pretty good pretty good well good yeah yeah Yeah, i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure people will be dying for something to listen to (laughs) Anyways. I hope so. Okay. So, um, for the recap. Okay, so this is the episode where I start to get bored with the opening credits and start press through them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, I right, did right. think. Waterfall, waterfall, waterfall. Yep, directed by David Lynch. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we know this We're going. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so we open on Audrey in red, waiting for Cooper to appear in the morning standing behind a pole. Um, Cooper is talking to Diane as he walks in, and Audrey gives him a little salute. (laughs) Um, Cooper invites her to breakfast and notices her perfume, and he asks her to write down her name, and then he knows that it's her who slipped him the note beneath his door, which he already knew, but he just had to confirm it. Right. Um, She admits it and says she wanted to help Laura but really, she just wants to flirt with Cooper, right? Yeah. <laughs> she is lying. The primary uh, objective. Uh, wh- whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like 
portfolio. This one is not great. Um, oh, well. Fun. I actually have an idea for some other software we can use in the future if this keeps going on forever. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> crossed, no. Oh, God. So, um, Audrey lays out that one eye jacks. Oh, what basically what One Eye Jacks is and says that Laura worked at Horn's department store at the perfume counter, which is the same mm. as where Ronette worked. Um, Cooper, yeah, Cooper says that the stamp in her handwriting indicates a romantic nature, a heart that yearns, and that she should be careful. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be careful with this girl's heart, though. I mean, maybe that's his way of trying to right? break her off. <laughs> don't Usually fall for me. Usually you tell a girl, yeah. But anytime you tell a girl, don't fall for me, I have bad news. All she's going to do is go, I can fix him. I'm the one that's going to do the fixing. <laughs> you yeah, are the one for like, me. Watch. <laughs> exactly. Or like, she thinks she probably herself is bad news. So she's like, we're yeah. perfect fit. Yeah, how it goes. But then Harry and Lucy come in, and Audrey leaves. Um, <laughs> Cooper orders breakfast again. This time he wants griddle cakes with ham, and I just had to write this one weird detail. He wants it lightly heated. <laughs> I'm like, isn't it heated as much as it oh, needs to be heated to be cooked? <laughs> <laughs> so like lukewarm-ish. Or is it just yeah, the ham? He just wants like mediocre, warm, warm ham. Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. He's very particular. Yeah. <laughs> Just a weird little detail. He's got to have, like, some weird detail. Like, cremated bacon was the last one. Yeah. So why cremated <laughs> bacon but only lukewarm ham? <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> Come on, Coop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, nothing beats the taste sensation. But, um, so Harry wants to know, who killed Laura Palmer? <laughs> and Cooper starts to explain the dream, and he says it's a code waiting to be broken. Um, the one... Thing that he talks about that I don't really remember from the dream or maybe I just don't remember us mentioning last time was that Mike shot Bob so yeah I don't remember that yeah yeah um he keeps oh yeah he keeps calling the man from another place um the midget and it makes me cringe so <laughs> <laughs> me too just a yeah, little 1990s like, I'm sorry what was that Aaron just antiquated speak yeah i mean yeah i feel like i i really love that show little people big world for a while and <laughs> i feel like midget was the one you're definitely not supposed to say yeah no <laughs> not at all um okay so but andy calls because there's a fight at the morgue and we go to the morgue and we see that albert and doc hayward are getting into it doc is calling albert heartless and albert is determined to finish his work and for some reason, Ben Horn is there, and he's just, like, looking at Laura's body. It's really weird. But he does try to break it up. And I was wondering, is Ben acting as Leland's lawyer in this scene? He's, he is the representative of the Palmer family. He kind of, he kind of says it, but it's not like, I am here to represent Leland and the Palmers. He kind of says it. Leland couldn't be here today, so... Right, 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 right. Right. Um, where was I? Uh, yeah. Oh, Albert doesn't care about Ben and picks up a drill and says he's got a lot of cutting and pasting to do. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Doc pulls the plug and they grab each other just as Cooper and Harry walk in. And they're all pleading their case. <laughs> Harry's had enough of Albert and Albert pushes him over the edge but I think I don't even calls him a hayseed or something. Like I don't. That. I don't remember what the exact term. insult is. <laughs> but Chowderhead hey. yokel, you blithering hayseed. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, like one. that one. And it um, causes Harry to punch him in the face. And I, I mean, that was like the most broadcast punch in the world. Albert could have seen that one coming from like a mile away. So I think it's his own fault yes. that he got punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I was mm -hmm. gonna say like the build up to this punch is the slowest build up ever. I feel like he like, could have just walked out the way. <laughs> 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 Literally that's <slow. laughs> Yeah, 
he calls it a sucker punch, but it's like, that was no sucker punch, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> was no, you saw that coming, bro. <laughs> um, Cooper has had enough. He tells Albert to release the body <clears throat> and to get him the test results by noon. And those are orders. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then Cooper has like a little moment of reverence with Laura's body. And then we see invitation to love. <laughs> um, they are introducing the cast, which um, we've got Chet, Emerald and Jade, Gerald Lancaster, and Montana. Amazing names. Yeah. Aaron, I could not hear that at all. Maybe you should go back to yes. regular. <laughs> Just all like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. It's like a musical uh, music notes. Oh, she's back. <laughs> okay. Who even knows what's happening? Technology. I don't know. I, well, you know, everyone and their brother is on the internet constantly now, so. True yeah, that. I think a lot of people are using this program, too, so they yeah. put a notice out saying there might be, you know, <laughs> some sort of lag or lower bandwidth, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Understandable. Okay, where was I? Um, oh, I've not even looking in the right place at all. Oh, invitation to love. Okay, so um, yeah, Leland is watching Jared on invitation to love is planning to end it all tonight. And the doorbell rings at the Palmer house and Maddie or Madeline walks Ugh. in. She's played by Cheryl Lee. She um, is Laura's cousin and she's come to go to the funeral and they hug and cry. Sweet yeah. tender moment. She looks like a different person, I think. With she does, but once she starts crying, it's like, ah, there she is. Oh, yeah. Well, She's we're not so familiar with her crying yet, though. Very distinctive <laughs> cry. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah. Once you see Firewalk with me, you'll never be able to not know it's her again. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> I know we keep talking it up. It's going to be like forever until you get to it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be worth it. It is, really. Yeah, it's the best. Um, so then we go to the double R. Norma is having a meeting with Hank's, Hank, her, her husband Hank's uh, lawyer about his parole meeting tomorrow. She's planning on hiring Hank when he gets out of jail <clears throat> to help him get parole. And the skeezy lawyer asks how she keeps the men away. And she says, cool. she tells them, I have a homicidally jealous husband who's in jail for manslaughter, but hoping to get out real soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty it's good like, line. <laughs> wrong timing, dude. Wrong <laughs> yeah. Timing. I mean, seriously, you're representing the guy. Or maybe he was just saying that because Hank asked him to. Yeah. You know? That's true. Okay. So Cooper, okay, Cooper and Hank are at the Johnson house. And Cooper is admiring the ducks on the pond. Nice. <laughs> he always so notices. Happy. What's that? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My TV started back up for no good reason. Oh, weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, Cooper always notices the little things. Okay, so okay. So they're here to question Leo. He says he doesn't he didn't know lawyer. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> um, but Cooper knows that that is a lie. And Leo says that he was in Butte when Laura died and that Shelly will confirm it. Mm. If you ask her. But we do remember sure. from the first episode that she said when she was coming home with Bobby, she was like, oh, he's in Butte. He called me last night, but he was at home. So he was clearly not in Butte. Yeah, we love Okay. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, so then we get to Bobby is having a moment with a giant Jesus cross in his house. Yeah. Is that what you call him? <laughs> I guess. It's a big Crucifix. cross. Yeah. And Crucifix. I was kind of surprised that they had like a big old, it just doesn't feel like a Bobby's family type of thing to have like this, it's almost like an altar with candles. Yeah, I thought that they were in a church at first and Bobby is smoking inside again. I mean, dude, you can't get away with that shit. <laughs> that kid gets away with everything. That's true. Well, he's a brat. <laughs> he so is. He's a real brat. Um, 
But Garland is trying to have a moment with his son and he explains that funerals are for finding closure. But Bobby is just playing with a Zippo the whole conversation. And um, Garland is like, I don't want you to be afraid of the funeral. And Bobby says, he's not afraid. He can hardly wait. He's going to turn it upside down. (laughs) (laughs) And then the mom comes in. Everyone ready to go? I know. (laughs) That was the first time I looked at her and thought of a racer head. Because normally I have Me to remind too. myself, oh yeah, she's an eraser head. But that moment, I was like, that feels. I can, yeah, I'm like feeling the connection. You here. can see <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I immediately thought too. So then, um, Hawk checks in with Coop. I guess this, I think this is the station, the police station. He says he still can't find the one-armed man, and mm-hmm. um, which they were in the elevator with him the very first episode. They just talked to him. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then Harry, yeah, right. But Harry um, says that Hawk is a tracker, and Cooper is very impressed. Did you have something you wanted to say about that, Aaron? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, I agree. He should be impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Albert has done the forensics. Um, It's confirmed that there was cocaine in her diary, and she tested positive um, for it. Uh, She was tied up twice at two different locations. And this is where we get the first dream clue. Sometimes my arm's been back because he's explaining how she was tied up. Um, he also says that the killer washed his hands and leaned in for a kiss at the end, which yeah. I'm going to remember that later on because I don't think mm-hmm. happens in Firewalk with me. Okay. <laughs> but everything else is so exact that it's like so weird to find any deviation between the two. Yeah. Um, also, she had claw marks on her back and shoulder, and they found a small plastic fragment in, the, in her stomach with a letter J. And Albert says he's going to do further tests in the lab, but Cooper puts it in his pocket, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Continuity <don't> <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> Andy comes in. It's time. But Albert wants a word with Cooper first. He plans to file a report about Harry punching him. And Cooper refuses and says Albert is lucky that Cooper doesn't file a report on him. And then he waxes poetical about how great the people of the town are. And um, then after Albert leaves, he talks to Diane and has her look into some retirement land so he can buy (laughs) when he's ready to retire. (laughs) It's like his little way of getting back at Albert that has nothing to do with Albert. (laughs) (laughs) he's just so fallen in love with it yes he loves it up there so much they're not chowderhead yokels i'll show you where's cooper from originally i haven't done it i don't know philadelphia that sounds right yeah that's a david lynch um area (laughs) he likes it (laughs) because that's what eraserhead was based on his time living in philadelphia Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, so then um, Ed, Big Ed, is looking at Nadine's tchotchkes, <laughs> and um, she says, she comes up and hugs him and says, love me, and he says, you bet. <laughs> 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 and he notices that she has a new statue. <laughs> and I guess they had some pretty good sex last night, because, at least in Nadine's mind, because um, she's like, Um, and then she's saying how she felt like a nobody in high school but always knew that once ed got to know her they would be together forever and she may be having some memory issues at this time because she doesn't seem to know who james is Mm -hmm. she hears the bike so just remember that for the future she's already shown her strength and memory problems (laughs) <laughs> which will come Frankly, in later that's a spoiler yeah. <laughs> and then james comes in he says he's not going to the funeral that he can't it's a very soap opera scene it's very like straight out of days of our lives <laughs> yes he just comes in to stay and then leaves there's no like going back and forth you're just like yes, comes in. Leaves, i can't go it's so dumb <laughs> and then he goes straight to the funeral <laughs> yes <laughs> even though he can't exactly Oh, James. <laughs> James. 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 
<laughs> so then we see Audrey with her hair slicked back. Um, she's sneaking she around. Looks amazing. Yeah, she, she looks does. like Madonna, like ex not expressed yourself, but like what's the one? Desperately Maybe seeking just Susan. Love, but there's one in there where Madonna. Oh, open your heart, where Madonna has the slicked hair. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> slicked hair, Madonna. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she looks fantastic. Yeah, I don't think she does her hair like that mm -hmm. any other time that I can recall. Um, and then she goes into a secret passage, which I was like, ooh, how Northanger Abbey of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's spying our parents. They're having a hard time getting Johnny to take off his headdress, and they called in Dr. Jacoby to help them. Which I feel like Dr. Jacoby actually seems like he cares, even despite the, his later mm -hmm. scene saying he doesn't care, but he really seems like he cares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we go to the funeral and everybody is circled as close as possible to the coffin. <laughs> it's like so <laughs> tight. It's so weird. <laughs> and now in this day of, um, you know, social distancing, I'm like, what are you people doing? <laughs> <laughs> all in there. You're all way too close to each other. <laughs> I've always had this thing about any TV show and or movie. there's like, it's weird placement. Like, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying it's weird placement. Keep going. You've got your thing about TV shows and movies. <laughs> so, yeah. I just, I've always had a thing where I'm always like, why are they always standing so close to each other in TV and movies? Because I am a person who likes my personal space, you know, just in general. Mm -hmm. And I always thought it seemed so weird. So my hope is that after all this quarantining and social distancing and movies in the future, <laughs> no people might that. stand a respectful distance apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have to get wider angle lenses because that's probably why they stand so close so that everyone can well, fit maybe in it was shot. back in the day, but everything's wide now. You know? Nowadays. Yeah. So they're all circled tightly around. Um, Donna looks a little crazy in her way permed hair and her stripy hat. Mm -hmm. It's like, her only moment in this episode. Uh, Bobby is brooding. Cooper is observing everyone. Ed looks sad. Let us pray. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Bobby sees James in the distance. He came anyway. Um, Cooper's watching this like seeing of Bobby and James. Um, the uh, preacher says the special love we reserve for the headstrong and the bold is the kind of love we have for Laura. Donna sees James. Pete and Maddie are sad, <laughs> like normal people. Um, Audrey gives Coop a smile. Inappropriate, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> no time for flirting. Uh, Johnny exclaims, amen. Mm -hmm. And then Bobby screams, amen, and starts a tirade. He says that they make him sick, that everybody knew he was, that she was in trouble, but nobody did anything. Um, he said, we all killed her. Pretty words won't bring her back. She should, she would have laughed at them anyway. And then he and James run towards each other and he says, you are dead, <laughs> dead. And then it gets all slowed down in that way of Bobby, whenever he's doing <laughs> <laughs> But it's really broken up before it can even begin. It seems like it takes a while because it's all slowed down. But it, like before they even get to each other, they're broken up. Because, oh. I mean, inappropriate. <laughs> Only <laughs> some of it is in slow-mo, too. Like, some of it is, is like, in regular speed. But, like, <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very slowly. I'm sure everyone knows that that is what's happening. Yeah. Okay, then... Leland throws himself onto the coffin and Sarah oh, screams like bloody murder and Leland is like having a breakdown and crying on the coffin as the mechanism is going up and down like it's going haywire and Sarah leans down and she says don't ruin this too and they're both they both are having a breakdown. Um, so question and this might be a stupid question but um, what did she, <laughs> what did she mean by don't ruin this too? Is it like a, a reference to earlier thing or is it something we don't know yet? We don't know yet. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I think it's alluding to. There's, but it could it's just be like something. the fact that he broke the picture, you know, yesterday. Yeah. 
Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, then we get, um, like, mm. yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, so after that, we get um, a shot of stoplights, which we may have had a few before, but this is the first one that I really noticed, and I, it's kind of like a running motif throughout Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. It's just the stoplights in the town, whether they're red or green or yellow, they're all red in this episode. So we go back to the double R, and Shelly is very callously making some customers really crack up by recounting <laughs> Leland at the funeral on the coffin going up and down. Ooh. They're cracking up too. She's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ed, Harry, and Hawk are all at a booth. And Ed is saying that he's not sure about this. He doesn't think that he's one of them. And Harry says, that's a bet I'll take. And then Cooper comes in and joins them. And he knows about Ed and Norma instantly. So he pretty much proves to Ed, well, <laughs> you better trust him because <laughs> he's, he's going to know it. what's going on regardless. Yep. <laughs> um, so they confide that someone is running drugs into Twin Peaks and they suspect Jacques Renault is the middleman. And um, Ed's still trying to tell his story about how he was slipped to Mickey <laughs> instead of getting knocked out by Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I will not be embarrassed. Yeah. No, I was really drugged that night. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I'm not buying it. Okay. Face it, Ed. <laughs> um, he can't face the fact that he's getting older and <laughs> can't take it anymore. Yeah. Um, so they explain about the Bookhouse Boys. Um, it's like a Twin Peaks secret society. They say that Twin Peaks is different, that they have an idyllic life, but there's a price that they pay for that. And that that price is that there's something evil out in the woods. And it's a darkness, and the Bookhouse Boys have always been there to fight it. So, hmm. mystery. Uh, society. I've, this is like the part that I kind of have a problem with that um, made it into a draft of a paper once uh, <laughs> because. Um, <laughs> I just always found it a little bothersome that, um, like, the the spirit and, like, all these things that are out in the woods, like, this is Hawk's, like, ancestry and his, like, area where his tribe is. And, like, Harry, the white dude, is explaining, like, the spirituality of the woods to Cooper. And I'm like, can you just let the red man talk, please? <laughs> like, can he be the one to tell you <laughs> about it? Yeah, and I know that he gets moments like later where he like is able to kind of expand on it, but um, I, the when I rewatched it with like kind of like woke eyes, I guess in that way, I was like, dude, let let mm. Hawk have some. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it does kind of seem like Hawk should be the one explaining it, but maybe Hawk was like, look, you're better friends with him. <laughs> you just tell him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's just kind of a leader and he just takes that role, but I, I yeah. would have liked to hear it from Hawk better too. I agree. <clears throat> okay. So, oh, where was I? Okay. So then they go to the bookhouse and it looks basically just like a bar with bookshelves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, James is there with Joey Paulson and they are guarding Bernard Renault, who is tied up and gagged. And he won't admit to being the drug mule. And I was like kind of appalled, honestly, when I went back. I was like, this is such bad police work. I mean, you just can't do this. I don't care what kind of super secret gang you have. You can't just like yeah. tie someone up and expect it for your... Because like the whole point is to be able to like get the people and put them in jail, right? That's the ultimate goal. But you're never going to get there if you have the first step in your chain as a guy tied up in a questionable... And yeah. Cooper's just going along with it. I'm like, that would not fly today. <laughs> no, it's basically but kidnapping. It's fun. I mean, it is fun to have the bookhouse I mean, boys. Yeah. I just was a little yes. like, I thought you were a better policeman than that, Harry. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like the Lost Boys, but with. Wait, say that again. They're kind of like the Lost Boys, except okay. for white. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no, say it again. They have authority. Like, there's authority figures. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. 
Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, he won't admit it. Um, but then we see Jacques walking, walking to work. It's a little surprising that he just walks like work. he does. <laughs> um, he sees a flashing red light on the top, and, and he runs away. He calls Leo, who he wants he wants Leo to get him out of there. And then Leo is a jerk to Shelley as he leaves. But Shelley oh. has brought home a surprise of her own because she has a little gun which she hides next to Leo's bloody shirt in like a weird secret compartment Cubby of her hole. bureau. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get um, Josie and Harry. Josie thinks that Catherine and Ben want to hurt her, like physically, or kill her. Catherine is listening in on an intercom the whole time. We used to have an intercom in my old house. <laughs> yeah. You can't really I've listen in without the other person realizing it. <laughs> It's it makes like hard. a noise, like a static noise. Yeah, because it's two ways. So, you know, when you listen in, they're also being able to listen to you. So it like makes a, a noise, yeah. <clears throat> Maybe she had it rigged. Or the volume down, yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's probably got a much better version than I had in my childhood. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, Josie explains about the two sets of books that she found, uh, but when she goes to show Harry, there's only one, and we see that Catherine got the second one just in time, and she hides it in a, set, in a different hidey hole that she has, and Pete comes in all suspicious, not suspicious, um, looking for his tackle box, and Catherine gives him a little tongue lashing, and he goes to check the truck <laughs> with a little smile. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he he does not feel bad at all. No, I think he was done. like checking out. Like, where did she put it? Oh, I know that secret compartment. I'll find mm -hmm. it later. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, she's not very sly. No, Pete knows no. all her tricks by now. He's lived with her long enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so then we see Cooper staking out the grave. This feels like a super long night, by the way. Or like a lot happens in a short space of time. Oh, yeah. So Cooper is taking out the grave. Uh, Dr. Jacoby shows up with flowers. Cooper talks to him. And Jacoby says that he's a terrible person, that he listens to all of their problems, but he doesn't really care. But Laura changed him, and he hopes that she can forgive him. It's sad. Hmm. And then we go back to see Josie, and she's wondering if Andrew was killed. Um, and she believes that they want to take the mill from her and probably kill her. And Harry assures her that he will protect her. And then they make sweet, sweet love on the floor. Gross! <laughs> was the longest makeout scene ever. And then the next scene is her falling to the floor. And I was like, the floor? <laughs> like, we have an entire house. <laughs> the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Josie um, is grossy to me. Like, I, if I were to come up with dumb, childish names for all of the characters in Twin Peaks, Josie Grossy. Josie Grossy. <laughs> um, I think she's pretty. I like her. <laughs> she's pretty. But I do think that that whole scene feels very soap opera as well. Yeah, uh, that's more I guess it's her... Soap. Her storyline is not interesting to me, I guess. Yeah, but I feel like this is like our first real sex scene, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's sex, I say in quotation marks because they're just kissing and fully clothed, but they are implying sex. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, we see the moon. There's a shot of the moon. Um, and then, okay, Cooper and Hawk are talking at the Great Northern about souls. Mm-hmm. Cooper's asking Hawk if he believes in them, and Hawk says he believes in several. He believes in a waking soul and a dream soul. Um, the dream souls wander to faraway places like the land of the dead. Yeah. And then yeah. Leland is dancing alone on the dance floor, and he starts begging all the people around him to dance with him, and they're giving him the stankest look, um, <laughs> which is really yeah. sad. It's like, come on, people. I mean, maybe they don't know. Yeah. They could just be visitors from out of town. <laughs> they just look disgusted and there's there's so this bad. one lady who's like 
how dare you? Well, she just like, oh, and like turned her head, yes. but they like stepped two two inches away and continued <laughs> to dance. Yes. Um, yeah, but then Cooper and Hawk yeah. get up, help him home, and then we see the stoplight again over the beginning of the credits. And that's the end. <laughs> Emotional episode. Yeah. Yes. Did you guys have any favorite parts? Um, um. Yeah. <clears throat> I think my favorite part was when um, after Catherine turns off the monitor and hides the uh, the secret books. Um, in her secret cubby, her interaction with, um, my Pete. brain is stupid, what's his name again? Pete. 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 Um, uh, her interaction with Pete, it's just like, it always makes you laugh, like the way they interact with each other, because it feels like it's almost like, it's definitely like a, like a cat and mouse kind of game, but it's like, almost like she likes it a lot, even mm-hmm. though like she, like, acts likes like it she hates him, and exactly, it's like the way that yeah. their relationship works, which is like, not functional but (laughs) but they could have gotten divorced plenty of times i'm sure but they both want to be with each other enough to stay together yes exactly yeah yeah they're i really like their relationship to see like how it changes throughout the series as well for sure (laughs) yeah yeah i'm excited to see it (laughs) did you have any favorite moments um i think my my favorite you're gonna have to start over again. <laughs> is um like the morgue scene scene is probably my favorite. Oh, okay, yeah. Albert, yeah, where Albert punches or where Albert gets punched, and um, it's just fun. There's a lot of heightened testosterone-filled emotions happening, and yeah, they all think they're the hero, and it's very cute. Yeah. Okay, so the deep dive this week I did on Deputy Tommy Hill, also known as Hawk, <laughs> um, played by Michael Horse. So I, I was going to try to do some stuff on Michael Horse, but honestly, the bio I found was like, seemed very like, it's supposition, like nobody mm-hmm. believes his bio. So I just decided that I'd <laughs> just go with the character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. I mean, he's done some stuff, but um, a lot of voice work, um, not a lot of really big things. He was like, I think, Tonto in The Lone Ranger in 1981. Yep. Okay, so the character, though, was born in 1951. He works at the Sheriff Department, obviously. Um, Native American, but it's not clear which uh, nation he belongs to. Although... um, during the discussion as to whether or not Tommy believes in the soul, he references Blackfoot Indian mysticism. So maybe Blackfoot. Um, oh, Aaron husband. Yes, oh, what? that's, it's um like assumed that he does like Blackfoot, that he's part of Blackfoot, which is like by way of the Nez Perce, which is basically just means Pierce Nose Indians, which were a tribe in the area where Twin Peaks is. Okay. Yeah, because isn't that, that's more talked about like the secret history, right? The yes, history. yes. Yeah. Um, but I guess in that conversation from this episode, he must have, I didn't write it down, but he probably must have talked about the Blackfoot Indians. It doesn't, or... um. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that they are related. I think that the two tribes are related or near each other. Okay. He's usually referenced as Hawk because of his excellent tracking skills, which we heard about this episode. Um, they extend beyond normal animal and human tracking to he can track also cars and trucks. So he can track like um, five tire marks or whatever yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's later Tread. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> um, he's also shown at one point to be a skilled knife thrower. He's, he's, he's clearly aware of the supernatural presence in the woods of Twin Peaks, and he discusses it with Cooper. He believes 
that it has a direct connection to Native American spirituality. And he's also the first person to verbally express to the viewers, as well as to Cooper, what the Black and White Lodges are, which we haven't gotten to yet, but um, they're pretty big in the Twin, Twin Peaks mythology. He's one of the Bookhouse Boys, all-around dependable guy. Um, he saves the lives of both Truman and Cooper on more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. And he has an unseen girlfriend named Diane Shapiro, who is a local veterinarian with a PhD from Brandeis. <laughs> <laughs> that was very all. Specific of, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we, I was like, it's very specific. Do we? We don't ever meet her in this show. Um, I don't even know if we hear about her till the the return. Till he no, girl. he doesn't. He um soon something happens, and she's he says he quotes a poem that he wrote for her uh, yeah and that's yeah. where you find out that phd brandeis he says something like that and you're like <laughs> well damn look at you up with your woman <laughs> yes um he gotcha. hawk makes a lot of really important discoveries in um the days like leading up to finding out um who killed laura and mm -hmm. something that I found really interesting is that, um, and I don't think that this will give away too terribly much. We know that Laura had a diary and, you know, that comes up, but um, he finds pages of her diary and paper is made of wood and woods are where the crazy things are. And I feel like there's a connection there in that like natural sense where Hawk is like drawn to like solving the case and he kind of does like all the really important stuff like even in the return which we'll get to in four years or so <laughs> yeah i mean he finds pages in that one too yep yeah well i'm glad um you're here today because mine was literally copy and pasted from wikipedia because i could not bring myself to do any work this week but um yeah was there anything else you've come across that you wanted to talk about well, yeah. most of um, most of my research is um, surrounds the characters um, Chingachuk from The Last of the Mohicans, and Tonto from The Lone Ranger, and Hawk from Twin Peaks, um, oh. and how those characters kind of go from the archetype of the noble savage, which most people are familiar with, um, and how Lone Ranger. Yes. Um, and Hawk and his actions supersede just the mere like noble savage. And I feel like because he is afforded authority, um, he is like has savior status, he supersedes that and becomes a native, which is hope gonna get me into grad school one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you broke up a little, but I think we got the gist of it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, um, as for him, I did not, I figured we could just wing it again because, but I was thinking, I, I was thinking about it and I thought, what was the one I was thinking? Maybe a Capricorn or, um, or Cancer? Or no, or Li Libra? Capricorn, Libra, or Cancer. I can't figure out which one. <laughs> I could see all of those <laughs> figuring into his lineup. Um, I would go with Capricorn for his son because it's an Earth sign. Yeah. And I feel like he would be an Earth sign. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being pre like stereotypical, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seems like really grounded person you know he doesn't he doesn't have like a lot of mm -hmm. ego or and he doesn't seem super like intellectual or emotional so I would say yes. yeah he's definitely and he seems like an earth sign to me as well but he has that like soft side <laughs> um that he reveals with the little poem about Diana yeah um, so that gives me that like cancer vibe that you mentioned yeah, yeah. You know what I would say? Let's say Capricorn Sun, Cancer okay. Moon, and Libra yeah. Rising, because he seems really well balanced. Too. My Moon is in Cancer too, Hawk. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Um, and as for Harry Potter, I'm <sighs> Gryffindor stuck between, or Hufflepuff? <laughs> I was thinking Ravenclaw. Um, I just because, too. yeah, he's not maybe like not necessarily like it's not overtly like book intelligence, but it seems like he has he's just like a very intelligent person and like understands the way of the world and like he understands how people operate. In he a does way. like um, really understand, yeah, um, and he reads maybe, signs and stuff. Maybe he's like a Griffin Claw, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ravendor. I was thinking maybe a little Hufflepuff just because he seems extremely dependable and reliable, but um I appreciate that. <laughs> but you know, we were saying last week that um it's kind of hard with Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff because they really only have like one characteristic. So yeah. <laughs> we kind of blend everybody together anyway when we do Harry Potter. So Yep. yep and we yep. always do like hybrids. Yeah. <laughs> it's for the best. Well, in astrology you can have a couple little places to like, you know, oh, well, this part of their personality is this. So you kind of have to try to do it with Harry Potter too. Yeah, definitely. So even more so because there's only four to choose from. And even the sorting yeah. hat has trouble placing people. So. Sure <laughs> <does>. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our final thoughts on the episode. Um, I really liked this episode. Um, I liked how it almost felt like, um, because it was heavy on the soap, it was like a very much like a YA drama. <laughs> like almost like a Degrassi, but like not at like, I don't know, just a little bit elevated, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I will say for me, um, I think the soap elements are what really kind of lifted it up, in my opinion, because I like it could have seemed static but because it was like a little over the top and over dramatic and had that like soapy feel that that kind of um you know propelled it more and kept it interesting because mm-hmm. <clears throat> we lost a lot of the crazy kookiness from the last episode even though there were co- there were some elements that but we could see how that blended with the soap opera in this episode which is you know it's really starting to make that magic mix that makes twin peaks perfect (laughs) yes what about you Erin um I think that this is an important episode because it's the first time that the like spiritual like dark element is mentioned and really kind of like acknowledged Mm -hmm. um and even though it came through you know the mouth of Harry and not Hawk it's still a really important, like, pivotal moment, I feel like, because we've acknowledged that this thing lies out there. We're seeing that we have a dead girl. Are these things related? Do we know if they could be related? We don't know yet, but maybe they are because it's being introduced in the show. Yeah. Yeah. We've made it to almost the end, and now it's time for recommendations. Yay. (laughs) Do you have have a ton this week because you've been home, or like (laughs) me, you have none because you have no attention span, so you can't (laughs) escape with any sort of TV? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like last week I had had a couple. I feel like I have two again this week. (laughs) Yes. Hold on. Okay, Christian, you go first, and then Aaron. Okay. Um, my first of the two is going to be um, TV show Killing Eve. Mm. I just finished the first season, and I'm, like, obsessed with it. It's, so good. I mean, it's, like, Sandra O, oh, which I, anything she does, I'm here for, but um, it's, like, this, it's got, like, this, uh, I don't know, like, spy element to it and there's like assassins and secret organizations and but it's all like elevated with like a really big budget and so it just feels so like what I've been missing in like kind of like actiony kind of tv shows mm-hmm. um and it just makes me want to go to Europe because everything is shot in like France and Russia which you know but it just makes you want to go to Europe which is like sad because you know things but oh. It's, just, it's a really beautifully shot show and everyone is just so good and it's so good. 
I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love that show too. Um, I think Jodie Comer is amazing in it as well. <laughs> yeah, her first uh, acting role, I can't believe. <laughs> I thought she was in The White Queen. I could swear that that's her. <laughs> um, I, I don't. She might have been. I think I thought I heard this was her first, but I might be wrong. But I looked at her IMDb and it was like two or three things. <laughs> Oh, because I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I just was watching the preview for The White Queen the other day, and I was like, is that Jodie Comer? Because it looks exactly like her. <laughs> but maybe it's not her at all. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think... Oh. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Oops. Go ahead. Keep sorry, going. Mabel. Um, my second recommendation is going to be Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> I immediately bought it last Friday when it came out because I knew I would be going nowhere, so I had plenty of time. And it's just, you know, classic Animal Crossing, just filling your time with, you know, collecting wood and iron nuggets to create furniture that, for no reason, and <laughs> talking to animals, and it's just this perfect silliness that you need to, like, pass your time. Yeah, it's a good one. Erin, uh, what's yours? Um, well, um, I'll have two anyway, just since we're all locked in here together. <laughs> um, so my first one is for, um, a friend of mine who is an author. Um, her name is LJT and she, um, has written a book called, oh my God, Practical Blasphemy. And you can get it at antibookclub.com. Um, and she is releasing another book very soon as well on that same website. So keep an eye out. I've read both of them. Um, I read the first draft of her newest one and like it plagued me, um, for, for weeks because of some of the things that happen. And it's actually, if I can divulge a little, it's about an outbreak of a virus and she oh, wrote dear. it before any of this came out. So it's, oh, it's God. timely. <laughs> Uh, and my second recommendation is one that I'm completely obsessed with. I cannot stop singing, you kitty kitty, Tiger King on Netflix <laughs> is my life. <laughs> uh, I hope that Donald Trump pardoned Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't started yet, but I feel like I know the whole story based on like the countless memes. Oh, and it's so entertaining and like just tragic but super schadenfreude-ish. I feel like that's one you don't need to recommend because it seems like everyone and their brother is watching that and playing Animal Crossing right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, next level, a, so we're excited. I'll make a recommendation for all of you people who went out and got switches for Animal Crossing. Um, my favorite video game maybe ever made and I still, anytime I see anything with like a mountain landscape, I'm like, oh, play that game. Even though I've done every single possible <laughs> thing in it, I was tempted the other day to just start a new game all over. And then it's Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is yes. the best game. It will take up so much time and you'll be like, whoa, six hours passed? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and you can also collect, um, gold nuggets and stuff like that and turn it into food and <laughs> there's all sorts of I mean yeah when you get bored with Animal Crossing what I always do I play it and then I get I'm like this is making me feel more bored somehow <laughs> 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 then you can um, move over to um, Zelda and you know then you can kill some Lynels and ogres and stuff like that <laughs> and collect Clorox seeds and <laughs> oh yeah I love that game so much. Um, I would say, I, I think I might buy it <laughs> when I get paid again, um, just because I'm, you know, stuck here. So <laughs> what else oh, am I going to do? Oh, you should. It's such a great game. And yeah, I love that game so much. I mean, I love Zelda. I love, I've, loved, I've, I've only ever gotten consoles because a new Zelda came out. Um, <laughs> That's so, a dedication. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've never played any PS4 or anything else because I gotta save my money for the Nintendo for when a new Zelda comes out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, was there anything else? Oh yeah, we gotta uh, say where you can find us, please. Um, in this days of quarantine, 
text me. I mean, not text me, email me, <laughs> email us about anything that you're thinking about at all. Even if it's the most mundane thought in your head, yes. because honestly, I am so freaking bored. I cannot even tell you. And I need more friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They, ev everyone needs more human interaction and what better way than to ride into a podcast and talk about books and movies and TV shows? Yes. yes. And I'm, I'm the type of person who's never, I barely have ever written to a podcast, even though I love so many podcasts, but I'm like super shy when it comes to social media stuff. I'm, but this whole thing is maybe a lot less so. It's like my filter is just off. So um, <laughs> yeah, if that's your problem too, then... Don't worry about it. Just write me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you could email us, managementus at, at gmail.com. Um, managementus.com, you can leave a voice memo. Um, Twitter is at managementus, and Instagram is at managementuspod. Yes. Yes, please write in. Um, we're going to keep going with Zoom for a little while. We've got some ideas for a future. Oh, I have some ideas for future um, recording software we can use that might make it a little more clean audio, but um, I hope you'll just bear with us until we can get there. And um, I hope you guys are all doing well and staying safe and healthy and mm -hmm. yeah, we can do this guys. Yeah. <laughs> we can power through distancing. this. Yeah, I'm on week three alone, so <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> it'll come it'll be it'll be done before we know it i could i feel like we're we're getting to not the end but we're getting there like if that makes sense yeah hopefully by the time this comes out we'll be a little less because it's little like a week a week early we record so <laughs> yeah. um okay well i guess that's all so we we'll see you guys next week we're doing northing or abby Chapters thir thir thirteen through sixteen. Um, that right? Thirteen through fifteen. I'm yeah. I'm. I can't find the dang app. Um, thirteen. Through <laughs> I think 16. it's thirteen. Oh, thirteen through sixteen. Yeah, I trust you. Yeah. Thirteen through sixteen, <laughs> and then after that, we're gonna do a check-in. So if you guys have any um, questions for us, or anything you want us to do as a mashup, or you have any of your own mashups, or if you have any quizzes, anything ideas. <laughs> yeah, anything we yeah, we're gonna do a mashup and then we'll move on to the second half of Northanger Abbey and Twin Peaks season one. So Yay! Yay. See you guys next week. Bye. All right, thank nice. you, Aaron, for joining us again. Bye. Oh yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you guys. All right. Good Love night. you. Bye. <laughs>